T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Gillio with you. Tucker Bag was behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard. We'll get back to explicit history, react to the Sixers game tonight, and some thoughts on Craig Kimbrell signing with the Phillies coming up in a few minutes. Right now, let's go out to the guest line. Ben Brown, pro football focus, joining us after the Eagles lose just their second game of the season on Saturday against the Cowboys. Ben, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, Joel. How are you doing? I hope you had a good holiday season here. But, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I did. Hope you did as well. And uh, now we look forward to the last couple weeks, the regular season, and then the big games in the playoffs. And, Ben, the Eagles tripped up on Saturday, losing um, you know, by a score to the Cowboys. Interesting game. You know, the way it went, they scored a good amount of points, even though it was without Jalen Hurts, with Minshew in there. But they, they couldn't stop the Cowboys on defense. And then the four turnovers. Ben, it's interesting. The two Eagles losses this year – both they've had four turnovers in those games. It almost feels like the Eagles beat themselves in their two losses this season more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. And I think that can in some ways be kind of the big takeaway from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, loss was, you know, even without Jalen Hurts, they were very much in control. This game were up 10 points at two different points in time. And, you know, outside of a couple defensive breakdowns and the miscues from, you know, turning the football over, like they were probably the better team in this particular matchup. So I think you can take, you know, a lot of the positives away from this in the game that, you know, Philadelphia was very much, you know, uh, wasn't going to be all that impacted, all that Im- impacted from a loss or anything like that. So I think overall, even though it was a loss, you know, it, there's a lot of positives out there kind of heading out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ben, um, the one thing that, that stood out, now it obviously didn't impact the, the score. The Cowboys still got to 40 points, but the Eagles racked up six more sacks. Ben, it's three straight games now with, with five-plus sacks. They have 61 sacks on the season. When you look at their pass rush, um, is that the kind of thing you, you think could be a, a big driving force on however far, far they go? Because it feels like the one thing that shows up every week is, is they get after the quarterback a lot. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's kind of the way in which – they're going to win football games, right? Obviously, they can do it with, you know, the number one ranked offensive line in football kind of jumping out to those early leads. And then when they kind of have those early leads, they got a number of guys that can kind of, you know, pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. And I think with the with, with the cornerbacks that they have, especially along the boundary and Darius Slate and James Bradbury, it works out well where they are going to maybe get some of those, you know, e- even coverage-type sacks from pressure situations. So I think a lot of it is the fact that they have, you know, a number of guys coming from different positions who are capable of generating pressure. They don't necessarily have, you know, one quote-unquote stud guy along that defensive line that is generating a high number of those sacks. So getting it from multiple areas, 
uh, you know, very much, I would say, speaks to the overall ability of that entire defensive line. And I think, you know, that's going to be the key for them if they jump out to some of these early leads, especially in the playoffs. Probably going to be the reason why they are able to maintain that outstanding and, and emerge victorious against some of those teams. Ben, one thing I did notice, and the, and the game kind of took on its own personality, but although the passing game, you know, they still threw for 355 and scored 27 offensive points, one thing that, that seemed noticeably different without Jalen Hurts in there was the effectiveness of the run game. Um, do you think there's a way to quantify? Is it more just you kind of notice it when he's not there? I, I think it's easier for defenses to defend the run when they're not worried about Jalen Hurts keeping it and running it himself. It just it felt like they couldn't run the ball. Um, did you notice that as well, too? And how much do you think it's kind of subtle how much Hurts helps the run game just by his threat and defense having to account for him? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it actually played you know a big impact in this particular game, but it's also something we're kind of starting to understand and be able to measure out, say, from like a you know next-gen stat type situation where we can kind of see uh, almost this like gravity-type situation of how much the quarterback can kind of impact some of those you know, edge rushers crashing down uh, to kind of try and stop their run threat versus actually going in and keying in on the running back. So we see it a lot with Lamar Jackson. I very much think that Jalen Hurts kind of has the same impact on rushing. He does open up a lot of things for guys like Miles Sanders, for guys like Kenneth Gainwell, where if they don't have that running threat at the quarterback position, they are going to see a lot more edge defenders kind of crash down on them and make it more difficult to kind of, I would say, get up the field in early situations, especially without, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of capable of breaking it to the outside on some of those, you know, run pass options or even quick speed options. So I very much think, you know, that, that, that was kind of, I would say, you know, maybe the main concern for the Eagles offensively heading into this game was how much their offense would probably have, you know, in a lot of ways, a need to have a, a new look because Jalen Hurts does offer so much from rushing ability. But if he can kind of get back in the fold, uh, I do very much expect this running game, I would say, to not miss a beat once they do have Jalen Hurts and that rushing, you know, his rushing threat, uh, you know, fully functioning. We're talking to Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus after the Eagles lose in Dallas in Week 16. Ben, the Eagles lost Lane Johnson on, on Saturday, and we're not sure how long he's going to be at. It's an abdominal injury. Um, they, they're hoping he's back for the playoffs. But the debate we're having now, I mean, they have a former first-round pick, Andre Dillard, on the bench, but famously he can only play left tackle, and they're missing a right tackle now. So the debate is whether they just put another backup like a Jack Driscoll in there to fill in a right tackle or shift two positions. Move Jordan Mailata from left to right, insert Andre Dillard at left tackle. Where do you come down on that, the idea of changing multiple positions but putting the best five out there or just changing one for continuity's sake? You know, Where do you come down on, on a debate like that? I'm sure the Eagles are probably having internally if Johnson's going to miss a good period of time here. Yeah, I do think there is probably a little bit of a difference in trade-off, obviously moving from like an interior offensive lineman position out, to, out wide basically to either tackle position. But you know, I, I never played you know, offensive lineman in any sort of position, definitely don't have the body build or anything like that for it. But I, I don't think you know, from what I've heard that there's a huge – a huge change going from the left side to the right side. We have seen some guys be able to kind of make that transition seamlessly. Like you said, Andre Dillard doesn't seem to be one of those types of players, but I do think Jordan Matata kind of filling in at that right tackle position and allowing Andre Dillard to kind of slide in very much gets their five best, you know, when they're all healthy uh, players in the fold on the offensive line. So I do kind of lean in that direction, but from like PFF's perspective, we do expect Jack Driscoll to probably get the nod, uh, you know, and start here and play basically all of the reps, you know, at the right tackle position, kind of slide in for Lane Johnson. But I think that is, you know, I, I would say a pretty drastic drop-off going from Lane, drop, Lane Johnson down to Jack, 
sorry, Jack, uh, Jack Driscoll to kind of like, you know, I, I would say circumvent and kind of build up some of these rushing dynamics that the Eagles definitely need. So overall, I would kind of lean and get in five, the five best players on the field that you have available. Uh, and even if it takes kind of moving both two guys around, especially at the, you know, outside tackle positions, you know, I, I think that very much long-term, especially if this Lane Johnson injury does carry out, carry over into the playoffs, you know, I would say has to be their, you know, most sound approach and probably sets them up for the most success come playoff time. Um, ben, we, as we look forward to the, the decision this week on if Jalen Hurts can play or not, uh, the, the rest versus rust thought is starting to creep in everyone's head here. I mean, if he does not play this weekend and they win and beat the Saints with Gardner Minshew, that would clinch the number one seed. I don't see any reason they would play him in week 18, which means it would be about five weeks from the moment he left the field against the Bears to a playoff game here in Philadelphia in the divisional round. Where do you come down on that? Um, the idea that, you know, it's a lot of rest, potential rust, yeah. but but health is obviously paramount. Uh, is Do you think there's a thing as too much rust when you head into the playoffs? You know, and back in the day, those Peyton Manning Colts used to sit down for weeks at a time, and then it felt like sometimes they came out a little flat in those playoff games. Right, right. And I, I do think there probably is still some – you know, consideration, obviously, it, it, it depends on how many reps he's getting in practice. But, you know, very much practice and reps, especially at this point in the season, aren't going to come any anywhere close to kind of the game speed that these guys need. So I would actually be, you know, I, I would say pretty concerned if Jalen Hurts isn't going to play, you know, live game reps four or five weeks. So I do think that, you know, even with, you know, a, a clinching victory against the Saints at home here on Sunday, uh, I especially if that comes without Jalen Hurts, you know, whatsoever involved, I do think it makes sense for him even to get a quarter or a half against the New York Giants, especially if he is getting close to that 100%, you know, back to full strength and health because, you know, the five-week layoff, you know, it is a big consideration. I think for the most part we have seen, you know, even like the two- and three-week, you know, uh, breaks that we used to see quite frequently with, you know, two teams kind of having that first round by in the playoffs definitely can impact some of these teams. So extending that out any further, uh, I think that's got to be, you know, at the forefront of everybody's mind, especially with how they kind of approach, you know, these last two weeks of the regular season. Ben, are you surprised that the Niners continue to roll to this extent with Brock Purdy? I mean, we're, you know, it's not one or two weeks now. They continue to roll. They've won eight in a row. Um, Are you getting closer to believing this is the Brock Purdy they have now? I am. I I would say that you know I I don't have anything to back it up, but um I, and I probably should buy into it. We've really only seen like one really poor throw from I would say from his perspective, and I do think you know for what he's provided for the offense, we can probably expect that. I do think there's just going to be one or two situations where he does have a pretty detrimental play to their overall offensive success. And I do think against you know a, a team that matches up fairly well with the 49ers that's going to kind of be the make-or-break play in that particular game. So although everyone kind of wants to crown them now, uh, I still don't think that they are the team that ends up getting out of the NFC when it's all said and done. All right, let's end with this, Ben. Um, If we do have a a hypothetical Eagles-Niners NFC Championship game here in Philadelphia, give me a guess on what kind of spread that game could look at. Eagles would obviously have the home field, potentially a one seed versus a two or a three depending on how this shakes out. What do you think a potential betting line would be on an Eagles-Niners-NFC title game? And let's assume you know the quarterbacks are both on the field and healthy. It is Jalen Hurts and it's Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think it's going to be minus 4.5. Maybe it gets down to minus 3.5 for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I have a really hard time 
seen that spread out they move through three so maybe it finally closes you know close to a minus three differential but if it gets to minus three that would be very much a spot that i'd want to buy into the philadelphia eagles so i do expect it to kind of land in that three and a half to four and a half range at least from an opening perspective then we'll see you know who all comes in and on what side but i do think we probably move from minus four and a half to minus three and a half maybe all the way down to minus three you know by the time takeoff happens but uh, i very much think the eagles would be my preferred side and the correct side of minus three for sure great stuff ben appreciate you hopping on we'll, we'll catch up again soon thank you awesome thanks joe have a great show there he goes ben brown pro football focus how about that eagles minus four and a half hypothetical nfc title game against the uh the brock purdy led niners you uh, starting to look at flights to Arizona? I, I mean, I, I've been thinking about going to Arizona for a while now. I'm just saying. I, that's After last weekend, I would like to spend a little time in Arizona. Uh, the, you mean because, like, the cold? It doesn't get to negative, like, 10 in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles had, a, and, and Howard was with us earlier, pretty good spot inside on uh, on Christmas Eve. Considering, I mean, that was the coldest NFL day I can remember, just watching the games. Th- there were so many games, the Cleveland game, the Chicago game, where there was, I mean— I was at thousands of empty seats, and that's not because the teams were bad. There, people were not there because it was too cold. Or they couldn't get there. Like, like there was a foot of yeah. snow in every seat at, at Cleveland Stadium. Would, would you go? I, I, even if I had tickets, like I'd sell them. I mean, obviously I could throw money down the drain. I don't think I could sit outside in that kind of cold for that many hours. I, I think it would be tough. Like, like I, I've been to cold events. I've been at, to events in the rain, like the – Game five of the NLCS, it, it rained, and I was really miserable for a while. But it's also like fifty degrees. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't that terrible. Yeah. If it was like twenty or twenty five, and there was a foot of snow being dumped on me, I think I would go home. Yeah, and th- I think it's one thing if it was like an NFC Championship game, and like you just like there's adrenaline to that. Like Bills Bears with minus ten wind chills. Just, I could see why there's a lot of the people not there. Saints and Browns, like those were bad football games. In terrible weather. By the way, speaking of bad, and I know Howard mentioned Russell Wilson earlier. I don't know if there was a scenario you could have painted last spring that would have had the gap between Jalen Hurts this year and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson this year wider than it is. Isn't it remarkable? Like, Hurts obviously played like an MVP kind of performer before he got banged up here for the first, you know, 14 or so weeks of the season. And then you have Russell Wilson, who's been... I don't know, a bottom five quarterback in the entire NFL this year. And has anyone noticed how bad Deshaun Watson has looked? You know, I think there's some leeway because he hasn't played in almost two years. He completed less than 50% of his passes on Sunday. Like, he's stunk. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, who were major parts of our discussion every day on WIP all last winter, have been awful. Deshaun Watson's been worse than Jacoby Brissett. They paid $240 million in guaranteed money for Watson. And Jacoby Brissett, I don't know if he's making much more money than you or I. No, and they also took the PR hit of a, of a lifetime with, with fans around the league. For a guy to complete 50% of his passes and throw two touchdowns and three interceptions in four games. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just bad. And then the Russell Wilson thing, I, I, I had to turn the sound down on, on Christmas. I was like, no one should hear what's going on in this game. It was like on my TV in the one room. Did you watch the Nickelodeon broadcast? Uh, it was on. I, I, I have to tell you, once I saw Wilson's second pick, I didn't look at the screen again for a while. Like, it's it just like, what am I? why am I going to watch the Rams – and the Broncos with Russell Wilson playing on on Christmas. It's terrible. He's horrendous. Yeah, like any NBA game would be better than that. 
I think we now forget the NBA is also on Christmas. The NFL is completely taking that holiday that they had c- control over and and just stole it from them. And even though the games weren't that compelling, like the, the, the first game actually between the, the Packers and the um, Dolphins, a little bit compelling, right? Both those teams needed to win for their playoff hopes. Once you got past that game, there, there was no reason, like from a fan perspective, like what was the hook on the Broncos and Rams or the Bucks and the Cardinals? There's no hook. I mean, the games were largely irrelevant. The Bucks obviously didn't really need to win. They, they could win their division by just beating the, the, the Panthers this coming week. There was no reason to watch those games, yet I'm sure they outrated the NBA games. I'm, I'm, no, I'm sure it wasn't even close. Yeah, and that's, that's despite having Giannis on TV, Tatum on TV, LeBron, Luka, like, John Morant. They put their best stars on, like Embiid early in the, in the day. They put their stars on, and it probably didn't matter at all on Christmas. Yeah, I don't know what the NBA does. They just got They, they did get railroaded by the NFL. It was like the NFL had Thanksgiving, the NBA had Christmas, everyone was happy with it, and then the NFL just took it from them. I guess the NBA needs this this holiday to move back towards the middle of the week. Yeah, like I don't think they'll schedule games on Christmas on, if it was like Wednesday, but no. it's Monday next year, right? So they'll probably have a game or two next year. Total, of course. And then once it gets back to like a Thursday again, what's stopping them from... Putting a couple games on Thursday. Yeah, it feels like they have a couple of, of days every five or six years where they'll have the whole day to themselves. It's it's true. It's become another NFL day. Though they got unlucky with the matchups this year because they weren't even any good. Like, I understand why they scheduled the Rams and the Broncos, right? Like Russell Wilson, the Rams defending champions. You know, the Packers and the Dolphins could be kind of good. Tom Brady against a, a team that made the playoffs last year and Kyler Murray. Like, it all lined up. And then you look at the matchups when they actually played out. They were really, really bad. So I, I have to say, I didn't watch much of the NFL on Christmas. I, I watched the the beginning of that and actually the end of it, too. The, the uh, Packers-Dolphins was pretty good. And that was interesting because, I mean, that doesn't it feel like the Packers are now the team that's going to sneak in the NFC playoffs as the Lions got shredded by the Panthers' run game and the Seahawks lost again? It feels like the Packers, was their last loss here? Yes. Yeah, they lost here. They beat Chicago, had a bye week, and then beat the Rams and Dolphins. It feels like they're heading to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they have Minnesota and Detroit coming up the next two weeks. They can beat Minnesota at home. I wonder if that game against Detroit gets flexed, if that's a a position where the winner gets the seventh seed, the loser goes home. So my guess is the flex on Sunday night for Week 18 is going to be one of two games. It's going to be the Titans-Jaguars, because isn't that like a – That'll be a AFC South championship it's game. It's a playoff game, effectively. Or it could be the the um, the game we're talking about here with the Lions and the Packers. I Lions and Packers at Lambeau for a playoff spot would be kind of cool. And then the Titans one seems kind of sad. I just I like Lambeau Field in January. I know it's super cold and it snows, and we just talked about how horrible that is. We would never go as fans. I think it's good for the NFL when there are playoff games at Lambeau Field. Yeah, and I think there aren't they compelling figures, right? Aaron Rodgers, Dan Campbell's a very compelling figure for for the for NBC. I don't know, like I understand the Jaguars Titans is literally going to be a playoff game. Is there anyone that cares? Like no. we'll, we'll root for Doug. Like I'll root for Doug Peterson, but like Malik Willis is is, is not capable right now of, of being a winning NFL quarterback. Like that's the, couldn't that game get ugly? The Jaguars could win that game by three scores. Yeah, I mean like the the Packers and Lions have both been hot, right? Yeah. They, they've both won a few games in a row and probably playing their best football of the year. 
Tennessee is an absolute train wreck, right? Like the them in in Jacksonville are two ships just passing in the night right now. Yeah, if I was NBC, is now it's got to play out the right way this week so that game does. I wonder what what has to happen this week. Seahawks have to lose to the Jets. That probably is part of the mix. If they lose, Packers win, Lions win. Yeah, Packers and Lions are both seven and eight right now. So the Commanders also have to lose, right? Commanders lose to the Browns. Yeah, because the Commanders are seven seven and one. So they they currently have the seven seed. Seahawks are ahead of the Lions because of head-to-head record, and the Lions are ahead of the Packers I think because of need, head-to-head record. I think we need a Seahawks loss this week to the Jets and a Commander's loss along with Packers and Lions wins. I think that sets up like a winner gets in. Yeah, that would be a 7-8-1 team, a 7-9 team, and then two teams who are 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah, so it would set up the 9-8 and eight team would make the playoffs of that group. Um, I, I'm rooting for that. That, that, would be, that would be a lot of fun. Packers-Lions, final game. Of the season, Lambeau Field. Is Lambeau Field the only stadium in football with personality? And you know how you watch baseball and it's, it's all you know, watch a game at Fenway Park or Wrigley Field or Dodger Stadium, yep. and that's kind of a part of the game? I don't think they're, of the other 28 stadiums in the NFL, none of them really matter. So, like, I would never watch a game because it's getting being played at, you know, AT&T Stadium. And I think of that even as a... Um, consume like uh, someone would go to a game like when I took my son last year to his first Eagles game like we walked around a little bit but I didn't feel the need to walk around the whole thing and show him like it's a football stadium right no I know Soldier Field is old I just feel Lambeau Field is is in a class of its own when it comes to NFL stadiums yeah I mean I'm I'm trying to think of the NFL stadiums I've been to I've been to the link I've been to MetLife I've been to what do they call it in Baltimore M&T Bank Yes. They're all the same. Like there's I mean this field itself has some uniqueness, right? Where they hang the jerseys or the retired numbers. Like there's some personality there, but like the concourse, they're all the same. There's nothing to them that makes it like different than the others. Lambo's different. Yeah. Baseball, they're all different. Like when we went to the Phillies game this year, we walked around there's different sight lines, like you know, what's back there with like the different stuff for kids or whatever. You could stand the outfield. Football stadiums I don't know if that'll ever change either. Like, football stadiums are kind of all the same in terms of how it feels when you're inside. And I wonder if it's just because of the nature of the sport, right? Like, baseball is a sport of leisure and inactivity. Yeah, you want to walk around. So you kind of want to walk around. You want to have those activities. Football kind of it it lends itself to sitting in your seat for the full 60 minutes. Yeah, it does. Um, But let's pull for that. Lions-Packers final game of the season for a playoff spot. I'm in on that. 215-592-9494. We'll come back. Your phone calls want to react to the Craig Kimbrell signing by the Phils, and we'll react to the Sixers and the Wizards when this thing goes final down in D.C. on Sports Radio 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's a hop aboard on this Tuesday night. The final WIP full evening show. I mean, we still have... Um, we have, how many more nights do we have? When is the New Year's Eve Saturday? Yeah, today is 27th. Okay. So three more this week. Right, am I the only one that's off, like, days? The whole Christmas Saturday, NFL Saturday, or Christmas Sunday, excuse me, NFL Saturday, threw me totally off. I don't know what day it is. Here's what I do now. Um, this is my final show here in 2022. And then uh, I guess we're back with uh, – we, we got a big month ahead of us here in, in January. I mean – First of all, we have less NFL during the week, right? There won't be any, um, or at least as many Monday, Thursday games. There won't be any Thursday games, right? No Thursday games. So we'll have a Monday night game next Monday, uh, which is a really big one. That That's a crazy good game. Next next Monday, I believe, is the Bengals and the Bills. Uh, you know, home field advantage, obviously, still on the line in the AFC. And then I guess we're going to have a wild card round Monday night game again, just like last year. Isn't it weird they don't allow a Monday night game in week 18, but the first round of the playoffs, that's okay? Well, yeah, it is weird, right? Because you don't want to have – they're trying not to create a disadvantage in week 18 leading into the playoffs, but then they're creating one in the playoffs. Yeah, but going into the division round, it's okay. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, I don't know what that game's going to be. I just feel like the the Vikings are going to be in that Monday night game. Here, here are my predictions for the uh, – I always like to predict how the TV is going to work in the uh, postseason. Tucker, here are my two predictions. The Jaguars will host the first game of the playoffs. Four o'clock Saturday wildcard weekend, the Jaguars. And I predict the Vikings will be in the Monday night game because all their games are wacky and wild and close. That's the Monday night game. We're usually really good at this. I know. Remember when we predicted the the uh, I can't wild wait. card series and the division series? We will do this next week. I mean, just I don't know what day or time, but just lock it in. We're going to pre- play this thing out. Now, does Tom Brady get a primetime game? Okay, so I, I would think he's Tom Brady's kind of become the Saturday night guy. That's usually his thing, but... But Cowboys-Bucks feels like 425 Saturday, doesn't it? Or Sunday. I agree. Sunday. And I think Tom Brady, a lot of that that luster has kind of been, been worn off. Yeah, I think the Cowboys will play the 425 Sunday game, the big Fox window. So I think the Vikings are Monday night, and then the Jaguars are the first game. What are we missing? Who else is definitely going to be playing that weekend? Uh, Kansas City. 1 o'clock Sunday. Maybe, maybe, or who has the whoever has the primetime game Saturday might want because it's going to be Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati hosting the the top AFC game. Cincinnati could be the Saturday night. Maybe. Like right now, that's Cincinnati Chargers. I wonder if they're looking for the next Brady. Who's the new Saturday night quarterback? I I, I could see Joe Burrow getting that. I could see Burrow. I mean, Mahomes is the surest thing, right? Sure. You know he's there every year. You kind of, kind of start putting him in there. I feel like he's played a lot of Sunday games though. Sunday at one has been the Patrick Mahomes playoff spot for a couple years now. Could be. Yeah. That. Has he played much on on Wild Card Weekend? Well, no. I mean, right? They've they've ho- they've hosted the AFC title game every year since 2018. 
Right. They gonna host it for the fifth straight year? Well, not if they play Buffalo. Well, well, right. If 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 they're not the right now, Buffalo's the one seed. But this all could change. Buffalo will play Cincinnati on Monday night. I mean, I I don't think you could paint me a picture where any of those three get the one seed. If if the Bengals win out and the Chiefs drop one of the last two, the Bengals are the one seed in the AFC. You know the Chiefs have the next two weeks? I believe they have the Broncos and the Raiders. Yeah, I don't think they're losing one of those two. No, Ra- Raiders maybe. Didn't they play them tight in a Monday night game about a two months ago? That could be a little interesting in the final week in Las Vegas. There's still enough talent. Uh, yeah, it was 30-29 they won. Yeah, I feel like the Raiders have enough players where they could kind of just randomly win a game against a good team. No, the Bron- They'll beat the Broncos by 30 this week at home if they want to. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a game that shouldn't even be televised. Yeah, that's that one. We're done with that one uh, pretty quickly here. So, yeah, I, I I do think. And then, all right, let's play it out before we um, do anything else. If it's Eagles-Cowboys in, in the divisional round, that's the final game of the weekend, Sunday 420? Has to be. Okay. If it's Eagles-Bucks, same thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what matchup doesn't get people excited as long as Jalen Hurts is playing and everyone's kind of at, at full strength. It's the number one TV matchup. Right, because even like 2017, they played on Saturday strictly because it was Nick Foles and, it was the Falcons. and not Carson Wentz against the Falcons. You're right, not, not, a, not a gigantic national team anyway or a national brand. I do think, yeah, it's, it's most likely they play that final game of the week. Because like, even if, if Green Bay sneaks in and, and upsets a team in the Rogers. first round, they would play Rodgers. The only way it might be different if it's like some sort of Lions or or if the Panthers, right? If it's the if it's, if it's the Panthers, the Panthers win the Super Bowl. Does uh, Matt Rule get a ring? I don't think it works like that. He's not a player. They fired him. Yeah, but don't you think they'd be just as good if he was still there? I mean, I a lot know. of a lot of people he brought in are doing pretty well. I know, but how come he couldn't coach them to victories? They're five and five since he left. It's weird. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't think you get a ring if you're a fired coach. Plus, all the money they're paying him, can he buy his own ring? I guess. He's making just so much money over in Nebraska right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know if he needs gifts. I think he's he's been... He's... How much money? Like, how far does $80 million go in Nebraska? Like, do you just buy the whole state at that point? Yeah. Doesn't $80 million go far anywhere? Yeah, but, like, especially in Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure it goes very far. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't think he, um, he gets himself a ring there. Either way, we'll see. I, I would, but I, I think the way we're playing it out, Eagles against whoever divisional round feels like the the likely, the very likely um, spot for them in the divisional round. All right, let's. Um, I want to react to this Craig Kimbrell signing here before we uh, we talk anything else. Craig Kimbrell signed with the Phillies. When was that? Like right before Christmas, Friday night. Okay, right. It was Friday night, the twenty third. Uh, one year, ten million dollars for Craig Kimbrell. Doesn't it feel like the least surprising signing? Like, he's a Dave Dabrowski guy. He traded for him in Boston. Uh, he's a hard thrower. He kind of fits the bill of last year's version of Knable or David Robertson, a guy that at one point was good. He's not as good anymore. Now, he's better than either of those guys ever were. I mean, Craig Kimbrell's best. I mean, you can make a good you can make a case Craig Kimbrell's going to be really a Hall of Fame candidate one day. I think his, his comp is Billy Wagner. I mean, he's like had, top seven in saves already. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a real Hall of Fame case uh, for what he did for a decade. Here's the problem, though. That Craig Kimbrell no longer exists. He lost the closers role with the Dodgers last year. Two years ago, uh, his split time between the Cubs and the White Sox was horrendous down the stretch of that season uh, in a setup role with the White Sox. 
I still think there's some stuff there, but you look at his numbers. The walks are going back up. The strikeouts have come down the last couple years. He's not bad. Here's the one thing I'll say that's the, the nicest thing I'll say about Kimbrough. He's pretty durable. Like, he'll still pitch 60 innings every year. I think he fits somewhere in the durable like David Robertson, still has stuff like Knable. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think this is a disaster signing, but I also don't expect a lot. Like, if he has an ERA in the three eights and he isn't horrendous and we don't hate him by the end, I'll take that. Yeah, I just, my expectations aren't that high. And I know yeah. we sit here $10 million and wow, that's a lot. But I mean, Matt Strom just got $7.5 million per year and he'll never sniff what, what Craig Kimbrell has done in his career. And he mentioned it, he had a better year in terms of raw numbers. Like, his ERA dropped. He was, you know, over five with the White Sox down the stretch. It was three point seven five last year, but his strikeouts are way down. I know he, he was pretty still averaging, you know, a, a K per nine of like fourteen or fifteen every year until last year it dropped to ten. So that's certainly worrisome. But you're right. I mean, he's thrown like sixty innings every year of his career. Yeah, he 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 will pitch. Uh, I'm not worried about him not make not taking the baseball. And last, I mean. He's a guy that's had – here's his appearances over the years, 79, 63, 68. I mean, all the way down to last year where he still appeared in 63 games. He's appeared in at least 60 games all but once since 2011, and that year was 57 in, in 2016. I mean, that even that wasn't like he was hurt for most of the year out. So he's durable. He still throws hard. He's not the same pitcher, but here's my only thing on this. I just hope he wasn't told he's the closer. Like, if you put him in the mix, in the back end, seventh, eighth inning, you mix and match the way that Topper did very well last year for the most part, I'm okay with this. Uh, you know, he's got a high floor for for what he is. The only thing is he's never liked not being a closer. He didn't like it for the Dodgers last year when they took him out of the role. He didn't like it for the White Sox two years ago. Well, he better get used to it because – he, he's just not good enough anymore for them to say, you're the closer. That's the only way I'd be upset at this deal. But one year, $10 million for Craig Kimbrell. We'll see how Topper decides to use him when they get to spring training here. All right, let's react to the Sixers tonight. A loss. The win streak is officially over. Sixers dropped this game tonight to the Washington Wizards. What was our final here? 116-111 down in D.C.? It's kind of a weird game. They were up early. And then Embiid went out, it was that second quarter, and they went down. And it just felt like they were fighting an uphill battle the rest of the game here. So they, they were down a lot, and they came back to, to really get close. I mean, Tucker came in, in my side of the studio at the last break with maybe, what, four minutes left in the game, and they were down three, and we were like, are they going to win this game? Ultimately, they never – I don't did they ever tie the game late? I don't think they did. I, I don't believe so. They are down as much as 16 – um, at various points of the game, they cut it to one with about two or three okay. minutes to go. Well, yeah. But yeah, they they never got over that hump, and it's tough when you dig yourself a hole that that deep. But I mean, they lost this game because their offense was absolutely putrid in, in the closing seconds. Joel Embiid had a couple of terrible possessions down the stretch where he tried to to you know draw a foul and not necessarily go for the bucket. And you look at their bench; they didn't get much from their bench tonight either. PJ Tucker was scoreless. Deon, uh, damn thing, Melton only had six points. Montrez Harrell was the only bench guy who really showed up. George Yang was one of seven from the field mm. with three points. I mean, Embiid's going to get the blame because of what he looked like down the stretch, but he had 48 points tonight. Harden had 26 and 13. The guys that you're paying to step up did, and 
I don't think they got help from the other nine guys who played. Yeah, they shot 19% tonight from three-point range, 6 of 31. The Wizards made five more threes tonight. I mean, that's that's a major difference right there. But, I mean, you shoot 19% from three, you're going to lose most nights in the NBA. 48 for Joel Embiid. He's on a ridiculous... I know he had the turnovers late. Tucker was mentioning he didn't have good possessions late, which is, is kind of par for the course. But he also had three steals and three blocks he defensively. Did. I mean, I'm just looking at his game logs here. He's Joel Embiid's last – I'm looking at his point total over his last 10 games, okay, since the beginning of December. Let's just go back to December 2nd, first game he played in December. 35, 39, 38. 53, 31, 34, 28, 22, 44, 35, and then 48 tonight. So, I mean, he came into tonight averaging 35.9 over his last 10. You obviously add the 48 tonight. This Is this the best run of scoring he's ever had over this long of a stretch? I mean, he's averaging, quick math, he's got to be averaging 37 points a game over, in, over a month. Yeah, I mean, you drop it back to the beginning of November. Uh, when he, remember he had that foot injury, missed a couple games. Yeah, he's averaging thirty-five points per game since November. Two months, over two months. I mean, this is the best basketball he's been playing. And once again, I, I don't think he's you know blameless in this loss. But when we talk about trading Joel Embiid and him being a crybaby and people hating him and everything like that, I hope you know what you're trying to alienate because the basketball he's playing right now is something that we've never seen in this city, probably. Since Will Chamberlain 50 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, this is a 7-2 guy averaging 35 points per game. Yeah, I mean, here's the bottom line. If we ever get to that day where he's on the team, re- replicating that scoring is imp- almost impossible, right? There's how many guys in the league can average 35 over a two-month span? Five of them, right? It's not, it's not, it's, it's a very small list that, that could possibly average 35 over a two-month span. And tonight, notwithstanding, they lose tonight, the win streak is over. They've played better basketball. I mean, James Harden... Has come back and played pretty good basketball. Now, now Maxie's due back. Is that their next game? Is that Friday's the next game? Friday night in New Orleans. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, I am very excited to see how he fits back in because remember early in the season it felt like he was deferring a lot to Embiid and to Harden. Well, now I mean I know they lose tonight, but they're rolling without him. I, I wonder how he fits himself back in. Do they get him involved? Is he going to just kind of ease his way back in because they're scoring so much? I mean, between the two of them, I mean, we're, we're, we're watching 60 points a night, basically, or maybe 70 at some nights. So I don't know how he fits right away back in. And it, it's tough to get around because you look at the rest of the roster, like Tobias Harris right now is your third option. He took 14 shots. I don't know where his shots come from, really, unless he's taking someone like Shake Milton shots. But Shake Milton played 17 minutes and shot the ball twice tonight. And if Maxi isn't scoring, what is he doing for you? Right? Like, he's not an elite defender, doesn't rebound. I just, I like Tyrus Maxi. I think Tyrus Maxi's great. I think there is a world where he fits in with Embiid and Harden, but I don't know. Unless he's just sitting in the corner, spotting up for threes and cutting the way he did, you know, down the stretch last year. I don't know a world where his role is, you know, kind of more than that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I mean, it's look, it's a good problem to have. The Sixers are getting back to f- close to full strength with, with Maxie due back in the lineup on Friday. But tonight's just – I mean, tonight's one of those losses that's very difficult to get upset by. Is it frustrating loss to a 13-21 and 21 Wizards team? Sure it is. But they had won eight games in a row. That's – I mean, that's a tall task in the NBA. They, I thought the win on, on Christmas was a good win. To come back the way they did, 
uh, the way the Knicks came out kind of early in that game, the first quarter, and, and I thought, you know, effectively dominated early. They came back and won the game, and now tonight they dropped this one. Here is one thing I just – I find it very interesting to see how they're going to play lineups moving forward with P.J. Tucker. You know, I don't know if there's anyone like him in the NBA. I mean, back in the day, teams would have players like P.J. Tucker. I mean, there was a lot of those kind of power forwards back in the 80s and 90s who never shot. Right? He never looked for a shot, didn't care to shoot. You look at the box where they in the games, they had one or two points, and no one cared because they had a bunch of rebounds, they played defense. That was their role. It's very bizarre now to have a player who just actively is not part of the offense. And he only played 19 minutes tonight. But zero points, 0 for 1 from the field. Obviously didn't shoot a 3 because that was not a 3-point shot. Three rebounds, you know, a steal. It's 4 on 5 on offense when P.J. Tucker plays. It's remarkable. It is, and his role is something that I find curious once Shake Milton gets back because I think if you had to choose between having DeAnthony Melton or P.J. Tucker in a starting lineup, wouldn't you choose Melton? Well, yeah, he's right? Wouldn't having a, a three-guard starting lineup with with Harris and Embiid as your your big men make a lot more sense than trying to wedge Harris in at the three with, with Tucker at, at the four? I don't know. I just this feels like a team with a lot of parts and a lot of pieces, and I'm not sure once they're all healthy how exactly they fit together. And and I wonder the stretch of success they've had without everybody healthy and without everybody on the court at the same time is simply because they fit better when they have less guys. I know. I, I, that, that might be it. So it's a sixth 40-point game for Joel Embiid this season. Um, I want to give you the updated uh, FanDuel Sportsbook MVP odds for Joel Embiid. Uh, as we, and this was obviously uh, prior to the games tonight. It, yeah, this was posted this morning. But, but here is the latest MVP odds. So Joel right now finds himself sixth. In the latest MVP odds, Jason Tatum is the favorite at plus 270. Giannis and Tentacupo plus 360 is second. Nick, how about Nicole? That game, Jokic had, when was it last? What was the Jokic? The Jokic had, I mean, he's had a lot of ridiculous games, but he had a ridiculous game recently. He's at plus 440. Imagine if Jokic wins three straight MVPs. Is Bird the last one to do that? I think he is. He might be. I mean, that's that's amazing. Uh, Lucas 6-1. to one. Durant and... Boy, I, I kind of wrote the Nets off a couple months ago. I mean, all the distractions and nonsense with Kyrie, the Ben Simmons thing. The Nets are playing good basketball, and and I think Durant is playing his best basketball as a Net. He's plus 850, and then it's Embiid at 11-1. to 1. After that, it's a big drop-off. John Morant's 30-1, to 1, Donovan Mitchell 35. Big drop-off after the top six guys. But it, it's basically a six-player MVP race as we sit here. And, and we're at, reached that point of the season now where it's been a pretty good sample. Like, what are the Sixers now, 21 and 13? I mean, we're two weeks away from the halfway mark of the season. Like, we've had a pretty good sample. I know we always say the NBA season doesn't start until Christmas, but that's not actually true. We're, you know, in two weeks, two and a half weeks, we will have half of the NBA season over. So it's Tatum, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Durant, and Bede. I'd vote for Tatum right now if I had if I had a vote. I mean, that guy's just been insane. Yeah, I mean, he's been the best player on – you know, probably the the best team in the NBA right now. And it's funny because Jokic, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm bitter because I thought Embiid should have won it last year, but he's putting up numbers identical to what he's done the last two years. His assist numbers are actually up. He's averaging close to 10 assists per game at this point. He had a game where he had 40 points and 27 rebounds. That was the one. Uh, uh, about a week or so ago. 
if he won a third straight MVP, I don't think anyone would blink an eye, but the fact that he would do something that a lot of greats we haven't, you know, heard from it, like LeBron's never done that. Jordan's never done that. Durant's never done that. Kobe, Shaq, whoever you think is in the top five of all NBA players, most of them have never won three straight MVPs. He's averaged 25, 4, 11, and 9, 4. Can Nikola Jokic average a triple double as a center? I mean, he's. He's, I mean, he's very close to that. Nine, he is averaging nine point four assists per game. I didn't, I didn't realize he was that high. Man, I, I mean, we're watching some unbelievable play from from some of these players. Like, I, I think if you go through it, I just mentioned the top six. Couldn't you pick out any of these guys and throw them into a different year in the NBA and say, oh, he's the MVP? Like, I mean, Giannis is always great. Tatum's probably the MVP this year. Durant's having a ridiculous season. Joel Embiid has four, excuse me, six 40-point games. And, I mean, if the voting took place today, I don't think Embiid comes close to winning. No, I mean, Joel Embiid was someone that we thought should be MVP or at least top two last season. He's averaging like 34 points per game right now as the center, something that, quite frankly, hasn't been done since Kareem. Like, since the 70s, no center has averaged that many points per game. The idea that he's... Further down on the ballot, I think, just shows how crowded it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, and, and that's involved, and, and that's also including Steph Curry getting hurt. Right, Curry was part of this mix; he always is, and and he got hurt, so he's you know he's been dropped down now. Remarkable. There's, there's some guys having unbelievable seasons across the NBA right now, but Joel um, has certainly had a great run, and the Sixers have turned their season around. Tough loss tonight; they didn't play well at the end, but uh, they get back at. I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Friday night. Against the the Pelicans? I mean, they have that, and then they host the Pelicans on, on Monday night. I mean, those are two games against a team that's up and coming. I think they're number one or, or number two in the West right now behind Denver. Yeah, it's good. That'll be a great game, and I think having someone like Zion Williamson showing up and, and playing well is another good thing for the NBA. I would say that the star power in the NBA has never been at this point. The depth of stars, right? We've had our Michaels or LeBrons. This, this is the depth of stars is really outrageous. I mean, LeBron's averaging what 27, 28 points per game. He's not even in the conversation right now. I know. I mean, he, I think LeBron had a recent run of like eight straight thirty point games. He's thirty seven. This is what year is this for LeBron? Is this twenty or nineteen? Uh, I believe this is his twentieth oh, season. It's, it's remarkable. I was watching him on. I had the. T, I had it on on Christmas. He's averaging twenty eight, eight and six, which He's, is what he averaged like in his prime. I know. At the age of thirty-eight, it, it, yeah, it's, it's. We will never see anything like that again. I mean, it, it's crazy what he still continues to do. But his team stinks. Sixers lose tonight. Unfortunate loss to the Wizards. You guys have a great night and have a happy New Year. Next time we speak will be, I guess, a week from tonight. Yeah, because we have a home game on Sunday, and then we have Monday Night Football next week. So a week from tonight, I'll be back here for 2023 and um, what should be a, a very fun month of January with the Eagles and a postseason run beginning. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a great night. Sean Bell's next right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.